every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, what's going on? 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 What's go- Big show, time for What's Going On here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, what's going on today? Brought to you by our friends at The Warehouse. We'll be there for a football Friday. Coming up Friday from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West. Their brand spanking new Salt Lake location. It's The Warehouse. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Go say hi to uh, Tom and the crew. Also, 86 East University Parkway if you want to stop by their Orem location as well. All right, Gordo, you ready to jump in for a little what's going on? I am. Let's go. We check in with the other shows on the station. We're going to start with Hanson Scotty today. They had our buddy Locke on, and uh, they talked about Jordan Clarkson, something we kind of dove into yesterday. Here was uh, Locke's thoughts. So you've got a, uh, you got a draft coming up. Uh, and then free agency, and all this has to be done before any element of training camp and and the start of an NBA season, which could be on December 22nd. So what, in your mind, could a potential schedule look like? Uh, so we got the draft is the 18th, is that right? 18th or 19th? Yeah. 18th? 18th, I believe. So I think that the league's going to have to just concede that a bunch of free agent stuff's going to happen during Thanksgiving. Yeah, I just... I don't think they can avoid it. So 18th is the draft. Free agency maybe starts on the 21st or the 23rd or somewhere in that nature. Maybe the 21st to get it done before the 26th, which is Thanksgiving. Training camp opens the 1st. Media day is November 30th. Jeez. (laughs) There you go. No preseason games, I would assume. I would assume no preseason games. 72, by the way, gets interesting. How many teams are in our division? Four? Yeah. So you go play every team in your division eight times. That's 32. You have then another 10 teams that are in that are Western Conference teams, right? I've got my math right on this, I think. Correct. And if you play each of those teams four times, that's 72. Hmm. When we talked about the new road trip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, another point that um, someone emailed me on, and I mean, I know it's kind of crazy to actually believe in science, but oh, okay. um, if we take three plane flights instead of five, it's not bad for the environment. That's true. David, I want to address a conversation I heard Jake Scott having, and Jake was mentioning between a 3 and $12 million drop in salary cap for the NBA and how that could affect a potential re-signing of uh, of a guy like Clarkson, I, I'm just curious because you'd think, well, everybody's going to be dealing with that that drop. Does everybody just kind of lose their value, or does does a does a player lose a certain amount of of uh, market leverage as every team loses eight, ten, twelve million dollars? So the mid level exception is still going to be hovering around eight or nine million dollars a year, I think, and. So the Jordan Clarkson jazz signing is just going to be simple. Are the jazz willing to pay Jordan Clarkson enough money over the mi- – all right, let me back up, sorry. There's only going to be four teams with cap space, Atlanta, Detroit, Miami, and somebody else. I can't think of the fourth right now. Miami's not going to use it because they're going to wait for Giannis. Um, 
Detroit and Atlanta are looking for specific type of players. I can't think of who the fourth team is right now. I apologize. They're not going to sign Jordan Clarkson. So Jordan Clarkson's market is going to be a portion of the mid-level exception by anyone who's interested, if, there's, if there are people that are interested. The Jazz are going to have to read, are there other people that are willing to give them a large portion of the mid-level exception? If the answer to that is yes, then the Jazz have to offer Jordan Clarkson more than the mid-level exception so that they're actually offering more money. If the Jazz don't offer, if the Jazz offer him what his market value is, which is going to be well below the mar- mid-level exception because the market's so depressed, then he, they're not offering him anything that anyone else can offer him. And so then Jordan Clarkson has to make a decision of what city he wants to live in or what coach and teammates he wants to have. Coach and teammates, he seems to be very happy here. He and Quinn are super tight, and um, he's very close with a lot of our players. But city-wise, we'll never win that battle. So it's, that's a pretty risky game. If we're going to offer him $7 million or $6 because that's what his market value is, and everybody else, all 31 other teams can offer him, or 30, uh, 29 other teams can offer him the same amount. Like, I don't know that we get him. So you probably, from a jazz standpoint, have to overpay what his market is in a depressed market to give him more money than the mid-level exception, and then you're offering him something more than what other people can. Yeah, that is uh, kind of the conversation that we got into. Just a, a kind of an addendum to uh, what Hans was talking about. It came out later in that show, uh, Gordon, that the salary cap might uh, or is likely to reportedly stay the same as it was this year and, and not necessarily drop. But I thought uh, Locke's take on all that was was really, really good, and I, I think he's right on the money. If the Jazz are, are willing to pay him the most, which they can, they'll be able to retain him. It just it's It's a little bit more complex because – uh, you know, they're going to be right up against it. Okay, so two things come to mind uh, as we consider this. The first one is the Jazz can't afford to lose him. They, they, they've got to re-sign him. I agree. And, and, and unless there's some other plan in place that, that I'm unaware of, they need him. And, and so the, the next question becomes how much more than market value do they have to pay? And I don't know how Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zan go about finding that out. Oh, I, or, I bet it's not too too tough to gauge that. I would I would guess if you have a good relationship with his agent and so with, his it, agent, with him himself, his agent can tell him, well, these guys over here are going to offer this, and and then they can they can up that. Uh, I, I agree with what Locke said. I think that Jordan Clarkson likes playing on this team, and he likes the coaches, he likes the players, his teammates. Uh, where he wants to live, however, is, is a different question, and I don't know the answer to that. And so then for the Jazz, the puzzle is how much more do they have to pay to guarantee that they're going to get them? Because if they lose them, then that puts them in a tough, tough spot because they need that scoring off the bench. So this is, in a sense, the exact argument or, or exact situation that you described at the very beginning of the show. Do you take less money and live where you want? <laughs> or do you take more money and uh, live where you don't? Well, it wasn't so much a matter of where, where you live. It was more about what job you enjoy. But still, uh, so, uh, you, the, the concept is taking more money to sacrifice w- another priority. Yeah, unless, unless that priority, whether there are more important priorities than the one that might be a snag, 
I mean, in the case of Jordan Clarkson, we know he likes the team. We know he likes his teammates. We know he likes the coaches. He likes the style of play and the opportunity it affords him. And he likes the fact that the team needs him the way it does. Plus, it's a really quality team that isn't going to have him uh, just banging his head against the wall trying to get a win for every two losses. Well, I so, mean, it, it would seem he likes playing here, and I, yeah. I w- that narrative seems believable to me, but I, I don't know that for a fact. Um, you, you know, and maybe he's got a family member he wants to be close to. Who knows? I mean, we we don't know Jordan really all that personally, so I, I don't well, know. But, but well, the, well, that's where that's where Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck have to, uh, as a part of their job, they have to, to read all that stuff. Well, I, th- and, I think what they need to do is, is see how much he values, uh, uh, you know, stay in here and then come in just above what that number is. Like, you don't want to offer him the same amount as, say, his hometown Clippers team, just to pull out an example, because then you make it easier for him because he goes, oh, well, same amount of money, I could just go home. The Jazz, right. I, I mean, to Locke's point, the Jazz need to come with a respectable offer that's that's more than the competition. They're going to have to come in slightly above market value and just make it a no-brainer for him. Make and those, uh, sure make those other things much more valuable, like his role and the coach and those things. Make, make Like, oh, okay, I can, I can play somewhere where I like to play on a team I like to play on, and I don't have to make any sort of hometown discount because they're giving me the uh, more than anybody else would. Make it a no-brainer right. for them. Yeah, plus they're making you feel respected. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that, if that makes If they indeed a lot want to retain him, that would seem like the way to go. Right. I would I agree with that completely and I think that Jazz would be willing to do that. I've not talked with Dennis or Justin about that, but that seems to be logical. And uh, you know, if it comes to you know, putting the the club near the tax and stuff like that, yeah, uh, you better believe Gail Miller's opinion is going to be relevant. So, it's Well, you already have invested what you're investing and then you're considering investing more for your two stars and so yeah, I mean why go? Why go halfway at this point? You know they can't lose Jordan Clarkson unless they have some master plan in place that we don't know about. Uh, if uh, short of that, they they pretty much have to get him. All right, let's move on to DJ and PK. They were talking BYU football this morning and uh, got into why um, all the hate on BYU success. Question of the morning, why does BYU success this season get under the skin of some folks? What is going on? Why are people so cranky? (laughs) Uh, Because people are just generally cranky, I think, is the number one reason. No, I don't think so. And number two, and man, did a lot of people here go, (laughs) go to this. Well, it's a rivalry. You're supposed to be cranky when your rival wins. I don't know who to give credit to that to. We got like 80 comments on here, and there, there must be 10 people, maybe 20 people who said that. It's a rivalry. We're not supposed to enjoy their success. We root for the rival, which is okay, both Utes and success, Aggies. Though. You can ignore their success. You don't have to enjoy it. That is a true story. And I think that it's easier to ignore when your team is playing, especially if your team is doing well. Probably get pretty cranky if your team's rolling out. To, well, I was going to say 2-10, and ten, but who's going to play 12 games this year? Uh, but, you know, if your team's only winning a quarter of their games, then you're, uh, you're going to be cranky. Mm, yeah, but I think it's more than that. 
Oh, I think it is, too. And we have a long list. We can explore more than that for a little while now. If you want to sum it up for someone who moved into town last week and doesn't know the backstory, BYU was a big dog and had Utah down for 20 years. Now, Utah spent 20 years getting out from under that grip and getting pinned to the mat, and they went into the Pac-12. They came off their undefeated seasons with Fiesta and Sugar Bowl, and they had the upper hand, and they've had BYU down for a decade, and they don't want them to let them off the deck. And this is BYU's first chance to get off the deck in the last 10 to 15 years, and you fans are bugged by it and don't want any of it because, hey, it's a wrestling match, and, and they, f- they flipped on Big Brother, and depending on which decade you grew up in, who's Big Brother, but they flipped this on the rivalry. The Utes have the upper hand, and they don't want the Cougars getting loose yeah, in this. I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. You serious? Yacht yeah. just shot at me and pointed at me like it was an old Western shooting me up like, you're nailing it, DJ. Well, I mean, that's old news, though. I mean, I, no Ute fan is worried about BYU usurping them. They don't want right, but they don't want but BYU to get nothing. They don't want BYU to get anything, which has nothing to do with usurping them. They don't want BYU to be a top ten team. They don't know. They don't want BYU. Don't okay. Yeah, you're right. Anything beyond that, you're right. But beyond that, even worse, they don't want to be top ten. But that's the last thing they're worried about. They're not worried about that whatsoever. So then the answer isn't why does BYU success, because being top 10 is success. So the question is, why does BYU success this season get under the skin of some folks? It's not success. It's just why does BYU get under the skin of some folks? Yes, it's BYU. They're hated. They're different. And some of them like to pound their chest on how different they are. And the superior, and it depended on, I never really bought it because I didn't grow up here, but the holier-than-thou attitude and all that stuff that you hear, whether it's true or not, doesn't really matter. That's the perception. I told you early on when I was in the Mountain or uh, WAC and basketball tournament was in uh, New Mexico, and at halftime of one of the games, they had all the cheerleaders come out, and so they had every school on the floor, and they were going to do a, a joint uh, dance or whatever, routine, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, when they introduced the Utah cheerleaders and San Jose State cheerleaders, blah, 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 smattering of applause. They introduced the BYU cheerleaders, 18,000 people booed. (laughs) 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 And I'm sitting there going, what is going on here, man? Because I don't know anything about this. I I haven't been to the first time I went to Albuquerque. And actually, the only times I've ever been to Albuquerque, and I've been there many times, was because of work. So, and El Paso was because of work. And so I found out about that stuff, and it became so obvious, man. This school, this university is roundly hated. So it doesn't have to have that. What, what happened in 1983 is, is irrelevant today. It, the hatred is still as strong. And it's combined with the success and people just don't want to hear about it. And so they're going to say, well, they haven't played him. That's the go-to thing. When you really don't know, you couldn't name one Houston player. All you know is they haven't played anybody. Well, that, that, that's your go-to card there. When they you haven't played anybody. Gordon, your thoughts? Well, uh, I think <laughs> I hear what PK is saying, but the reason that they were booing the cheerleader from the get-go a big part of that was that BYU had been beating all those teams for so long. So their success does cause some of that uh, disfavor of which he was speaking. So that, that was the reason. If BYU was getting beat by everybody, nobody would boo them. Or few, maybe a few would. 
just on on the grounds of their religious orientation. But uh, the reason BYU has been uh, had a negative feel toward them for, from so many schools, especially in the West here, is because BYU beat, beat the living daylights out of them for so long. Yeah, and, and their fans really enjoyed that role, the the kind yeah, of heel yeah. role, which is which is awesome, by the way. That that sounds like I'm being critical. I think it's great. I miss that about BYU being in a league. I miss that about BYU being in the Mountain West Conference, the the animosity. It makes sports fun. You miss, you miss the holier-than-thou stuff? Oh, I don't know if I ever really bought into that in the first place. That, that, do you, do you it, miss the fact that BYU fans have a tendency at times, like most fans, when their teams are good to overcook it a bit. Yes, like most fans, uh, yeah. exactly. Like 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 most fans, and then I, I don't know if I buy into the holier than thou. That just that that that's the tight line between the football and religion that sometimes skews some things. And I I don't think it's really any different with BYU than than anywhere else. And I do think it's about how much they won in that league with those schools over a long period of time. You, you, yeah. you know, that's that's the price you pay for being the big fish in, in a small pond. But then yeah. when your fans enjoy that role so much and the, the Crosstown fans enjoy some success, then that creates even uh, different types of animosity that, that we've seen. And then, you know, Ute fans are still used to hating on BYU. I mean, it's it's what we've seen. It's not a big deal. It's it's sports. It's the rivalry. It's what we like. I liked uh, the the response that somebody gave DJ. Like, they're they're BYU. You know, I'm a Ute fan. They don't want them to have success. It's spate, man. Yeah, but like I said, if BYU were two and ten every year, nobody would really care. I <laughs> I think they still would. Uh, maybe Utah fans would, but. I think most most fans. Uh, oh, and, and uh, Wyoming uh, fans would. Where's our boys, Finn? And New Mexico like fans. I said, if they and, were two and, and UNLV if they went, if fans. BYU went two and ten for fifteen years. You think anyone's going to care? Uh, about, I, I think that that would fade away. The long term fans would uh, that would remember would would finally care. I mean, Gordon, um, uh, I don't know if you've done this exercise going uh, down to Las Vegas to to cover. Uh, you know, various events down there. But I always tune into the local sports radio when I go down there. And they're still obsessed with BYU. When the West Coast <laughs> Conference Tournament is the only thing going on, you know, because they're doing it earlier on in the week, I turn into the local guys and they're like, did you guys know BYU's playing tonight? Man, I still root against those guys, blah, 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 blah. They still do it. They still do it. Who's the guy in San Diego that does it? Oh, uh, that buffoon who's basically borderline offensive. What is that guy's name? I haven't he, heard he talks from him. about BYU once a week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I wonder if BYU fans missed that, missed that, uh, you know, kind of playing the heel role. I don't know. Not, not sure. Because they, they, you know, with the teams that they play in Independence, there's not really that feeling. Certainly, with the P5 teams they play outside of Utah, and maybe it is a little bit with Boise and San Diego State and some of the Mountain West teams they play. But you know, it's not that way with Liberty or Troy or you know. Insert other yeah. team name there, but I, well, back to back to your original question. I I am split on this because I hear what PK is saying, but I agree with DJ. Uh, I think when BYU does well, that it makes it worse. It stirs up that that spade, as you call. Yeah, it. I think so. Sports hate, and and when BYU is 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 not particularly good, then then that is uh, that that remains at a lower level. But fans still remember. That's what I'm saying. They still remember. That's why the BYU-Wyoming bowl matchup a couple of years ago was interesting is because, you know what, They're, the fan bases are familiar 
we could tell all the stories about how horrible it is to go to Laramie in the middle of the winter time. And you can tell us about that time that you, you drove back from Laramie. You didn't think you were going to make it with uh, <laughs> with John Lund. You know, all these uh, all these fun things that we can go over. I, I, I don't know. I miss... I miss talking about those relationships. One other thing that I'll, I'll comment on what PK said is that he said that the Utah fans aren't worried about BYU uh, is success from a standpoint of, I think the word they used was usurping. Uh, I, I disagree with that. I, uh, in my conversation with, with Utah fans, they, they, they think about BYU and BYU fans think about Utah too. It's part of the rivalry and it's, it's, it is competitive by its nature. And uh, like we already said, when your rival does well, then not only do you not like it because you don't like them, but uh, sometimes a few insecurities crop up too. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll get into some more college football. Actually, I have a couple stories I want to bring up with you, uh, Gordon, uh, including one about a fine from college football that I found uh, particularly entertaining. But right now, <laughs> let's get out to the uh, zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He's uh, here to help our listeners uh, take care of that ED. with a, a, And we say new treatment, Andrew, with acoustic wave therapy, but... You know, and it is new, relatively new, I, I should say, but you've had a lot of success for a while now, and, and there's great studies out there, too. We have. The FDA registered acoustic wave therapy for erectile dysfunction, and I think it was 2011, so we've got a lot of history. It was used in Europe since the 1950s to break up kidney stones and repair uh, blood vessel damage, so there's a lot of history on this, and what part of the body needs more blood flow than this part of the body? This is a great treatment for erectile dysfunction because it kind of gets to the root cause of the problem. If you take a pill, you get a little more blood flow, but you get it in your entire body. So you end up with a headache. You end up with blurred vision and a stuffy nose. This increases blood flow where you need it most. It does it without a pill. And like you said, Jake, it's pretty heavily studied. Cambridge is now on board the American Urological Association um, Sexual Advances Journal has written extensively about this, and they've got some interesting stuff. They all conclude the same thing. It opens up the blood vessels. It does it safely. It has a very high success rate, and typically it's just a few treatments. So a couple weeks from now, if there's anybody out there listening, struggling with ED, you could be done with the erectile dysfunction and be done with the pills. Back to normal, the spontaneity. Turn back the clock. Yeah, this is when the timing is right in the bedroom. That's when you need to perform. You do not have time for a pill. You don't have time to let that kick in. You want things just to function. And as far as I know, this is the only treatment that can do that. So it can work on demand like it used to. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Get on that schedule. Not only are you getting a lot for free, but uh, the treatments, you could be back to normal very soon. Yeah, very, very soon. Uh, call us now. Put a stop to the erectile dysfunction. We're going to do the initial assessment exam. This is a screening with our doctor. Gives you a chance to ask questions. And by the way, there's no obligation. Uh, you call us now. All you're doing is just setting up the exam. We'll throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. And also, really cool, very valuable, new patients get free testosterone. So we've got every angle of erectile dysfunction covered. 
801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Joe, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This one goes out to Jay on a total request Tuesday. Uh, your your old, your favorite oldies request that would go to one of those classic oldies DJs, right? Wolfman Jack or uh, or Casey Kasem and the like. Uh, I, I'm always in the mood for this song. Uh, any Doobie song. Oh, yeah. Doobie Brothers, great. Seen You've been with, to a Doobie's concert? A couple, actually. I went to one with Gordon. Uh, when... Um, uh, PK famously got recognized, uh, but not uh, Bowler in you, Gordon. When you were when you were a little bothered by that. Yeah, I didn't hear what you said, but uh, whatever you say. <laughs> no, I was talking about when we went to see the Doobie Brothers together. Yeah, well, what, what, what was I bothered by? That uh, <laughs> PK was recognized. I was not bothered by that. You, I thought it was funny. You you looked at Bowler and said, "God, we're standing right here." The great Gordon Monson and Craig Bullerjack are right here. Man, I'm not going to tell you anything anymore because you <laughs> twisted. I was there. You know, you know that's not how I meant it. Oh man, I do like that song though. Uh, I, I, I got to admit, I do like that song. All right, Gordon, have you been, uh, have you been following this, uh, this Lane Kiffin situation down in <laughs> into the SEC? Because this pay, paying the fine with pennies. Well, the, yeah, but that's that's almost like the the least funny part of this whole thing. <laughs> So uh, Ole Miss was playing against Auburn, and if I understand, I did not see this. This uh, uh, I did not see this um, live. But from what I understand, a, a kickoff went off an Auburn player's pinky, and then went into the end zone. Mm-hmm. All right, the uh, Kiffin apparently uh, went over to the official, and the official. Told him, ah, there's uh, Kiffin said, well, should I challenge it? Are you going to review that? What's the deal? Because that should be a touchdown for Ole Miss, right? Uh, and the official goes, nah, they looked at it, and there's nothing to see there. That's good. Don't worry about it. And uh, Kiffin went back to his business. But if you look at the replay, it went off his finger. It did. They have they have a, a complaint there. So Kiffin, uh, as you know, lots of coaches do, sends the 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 tape to the conference and says, uh, what the heck, man? What's the deal? What are you going to do about this? And the answer is nothing, of course. And usually the conferences uh, just t- tell them to simmer down. But here's what Kiffin, uh, Kiffin said, Gordon, a couple of different quotes from him. All right. He said, quote, I really wish for our players, for our fans, that they could hear what I was just told. I think they deserve to. But I asked. They made sure to tell me there's a policy that I can't tell you the players or the fans what their, if you want to call it, explanation for that situation and how TV copy and everybody in the country can see it hit him. He goes on, he says, I asked the side, uh, well, I explained this to the side judge, but basically he was told that by the SEC that he could not pass their explanation along to the public. So they said, okay, Lane, here's our explanation, but you can't tell anybody, including your players. 
So, uh, and this is, I'll read from the Clarion Ledger here for a second that says, the problem Kiffin sees is the lack of transparency, though. When he makes a controversial decision as a coach, he answers for it. As he sees it, the same accountability isn't required of referees. Here's a quote from Kiffin. Quote, I was about to take a five-minute power yoga class before I walked in here to say what I really wanted to. You know what I'd really like? I'd really like it when if you guys ask me a question about managing a game or how I played players to just say, that's a personal thing. I can't discuss it with you. I would really like to be able to answer questions like that, which is hilarious. <laughs> so the well, SEC is telling him, well, you can't. Uh, this is a personal matter. I can't answer the, your questions there. And then you can't tell anybody about it. So yeah. Lane's like, well, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, different situations call for different responses. But I kind of agree with him that uh, he should be able to explain what the explanation was. So he brought it back up a little bit later on um, in, in his uh, in his uh, press availability, Gordon, when he was asked about getting players back this week. He says, quote, can I just answer? We don't discuss. I'm just going to answer every question from now on with that's internal. We don't discuss anything. I don't have any explanation for how I screwed up a situation. That'd be awesome. Can we write that policy? I'm going to ask our SID if we can write that policy from now on. All right. I have to stop going on before I get fined, unquote. And then the next thing that happened, Gordon, was? He was fine. 25K. $25,000. He was fined by the SEC. Now, then, he, of course, he joked that he's going to pay it in pennies, which would be 2.5 million pennies, which would be hilarious. <laughs> but what what, did, what kind of uh, totalitarian regime is the SEC running there? Well, they got to make up for the lost gate of COVID, guys. That's you got to get that money grand, somewhere. Twenty five uh, grand. Is, oh, this my is God. what happens when there's too much power concentrated somewhere. People start to get abusive in that regard. Oh, man, we're not going to give you any explanation. And better yet, you can't tell anybody that we can't give you an explanation. Yeah, that's that's lame. Well, we're going to find you twenty five grand. Yep, but that's uh, that's the way it is. And it's unfortunate, but I'm going to side with Lane on that one. And uh, I wonder how long it would take somebody to count two point five million pennies. I don't know. Can I can I try and uh, uh, broach kind of a more serious conversation with you out of this? Though? Before you do, would two point five million pennies be worth more than twenty five thousand? No, because are pennies worth more inherently than? Uh, are you saying like the than, materials used to make a penny worth more than a penny? Or are pennies so. more rare or something? You know, so no. that they they're more valuable somehow. I don't think so, but I don't know. That'd be that'd be uh, a lot of pennies though. But let me ask you this. Should there be more transparency in sports when it comes to evaluating referees? Yes. Because part of me says yes and part of me says no. Give me, uh, give me, your, yes. give me your, uh, your thought as to why. Well, I think people – we're at a point now where folks are pretty sophisticated. Not everybody, but a lot of people are, understand the game. They understand what they're seeing with their own eyes, and they deserve explanations for things. I, I don't have a problem with that at all, and I think it would actually help people understand a little better. Now, there might be some circumstances where they would understand it less, which might create a bit of a headache and a bit of a furor. But as far as I'm concerned, that's probably less frequent than the other one would be. So it would probably be help, helpful. When you explain things to people, it usually helps. It doesn't usually uh, make things worse. It can, but I think it would actually be helpful. 
See, define make, makes things worse because this is where the rubber meets the road for me, right? Because sometimes the explanation is not a good one. Yeah, but, but okay, so here's my point. And I, I, cause I usually, cause I'm with you, but here's where I'm divided. Okay. Cause I, you know, transparency, good thing. You know, why shouldn't they take criticism when coaches and players, et cetera, take criticism? I gotcha. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily disagree, but what difference does it make? Because I'll tell you this now that the NBA does their final two minutes thing, all it does is tick me off. It, it, <laughs> it does nothing because you can't reverse time. You can't uh, uh, make the call go away. You can't reverse the outcome. So what's the point except for when your team gets shafted and then you see the league acknowledge it in the two-minute report, what does it it do? Do you feel better? Because I don't think you do. I think you Uh, more are just angry. And by by the way, is is feeling better the ultimate outcome we're going for here? Because why do we care about that? Uh, I, I think fans care. And uh, if they get an explanation, sometimes it makes sense. And if it makes sense to people, then they say, oh, okay, I get it. And if it doesn't make sense, then they can be angry. But they're not going to be any less angry than they were or more angry than they would have been otherwise. Right. So it's not going to make a difference. So what's the point? Well, for understanding's sake. (laughs) Because even (laughs) if it's a mistake, even if it's a mistake, you know, then you admit, okay, a mistake was made. I think that it might not make people feel better, but at least they can understand the human side of it. Nobody cares about the human side of refereeing, Gordon. Come on. <laughs> They're not human. Come on. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. All it does is just agitate people, and then nothing changes anyway. <laughs> I would prefer to have the communication. Why? Because I, I, I think that, that that is helpful in many cases. I, I don't get helpful for what? That's that's where I have a tough because trouble sometimes a call together. is made and fans don't understand it. You know, they don't understand what just happened, and there might be justification for it. So you go ahead and explain it, and then some people say, "Oh, okay, I get it now." Maybe some wouldn't, but if, if there's no explanation, if there's no logical explanation for it, somebody just made a judgment and error. Then okay, I can I can accept that better than I can. Oh, this is the way it is, and 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 I'm sitting there confused by it. But if you tell me, okay, this referee made a mistake, then I can go, okay, all right, I I get he made a mistake. And it shouldn't have been that way, but that's the way it is, and then you move on. Come on, Jake, come on. Come on. I just don't care. (laughs) And and I don't think fans really care. I think think a little part of fans like saying my team got screwed because then you don't have to deal with the fact that your team lost. Well, I can still say that. Right. So this solves nothing. So what's no, the point? It, then back but, to my but, original argument that yeah, this then, has no but point. But then they have information they didn't have before. And they were left to just be confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank goodness they've got more information than they had before. Andy Larson, Andy Larson did a whole study on, on how many times the Jazz got screwed in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. you remember that? No, I don't. Uh, Dennis Lindsay was worked up about it. He, I think he came on these airwaves and talked about it at, at great length. Well, it was a lot. And it was a lot. It was like more than any <laughs> other team in the league. And you look at that and part of you goes, well, well okay. <laughs> well, unless, unless Doc Brown pulls up in the old time machine, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a bit well, of difference other than, other than uh, make you think like the league's out to get you. It's like the fender bender you got in and the guy initially is like, nope, that I, it was your fault. Then you see a video and he goes, okay, my bad. It was my fault. 
your car is still broken. But in this case, at least there's insurance ramifications. True. In the case of sports, who cares? <laughs> all, it's do, all it's doing is aggravating people. I think people care. And I, I, I think information is good. Give, peop- give the people the information. Rake those horribly corrupt officials right over the coals on a weekly basis. I agree. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? With that part, I really do agree. Let's let's really uh, if, let's put them in the in the uh, town square and and heave vegetables at them like they did in the old days. <laughs> what are those things called? They used to lock the them stocks. In. The stockade. Stock. Stocks. Yeah. What a, stockade? Something else. Stockade is prison for uh, like army. Bases. In the army. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the stocks. I, they at the very least do what baseball does and make them trot out in front of the media, and on camera on mic. The NBA does that already. No, though. they don't. They do the pool reporter right. where you have to. Submit your three questions ahead of time. They give it to a PR guy who goes back and writes the answers for the referee, and then it's only it's print only, no if, cameras, no audio. If I were if I were a referee, I'd, I'd answer every one of those questions with, uh, well, you know, we did the best we could, and uh, we're gonna if we could turn back time, maybe we'd do it differently. But uh, <laughs> here we are. So put that in your office and frame it. Next question. Next question. Have, have you have you learned a way? Jake, because have, if you stonewall people, all it does is it make it worse. Make what worse? I, I think it actually make it pretty worse. funny for the ref. I think it'd make him feel better. We got nothing well, wrong. Next question. No, that's just one. But they did. You know, it's obvious. To in your opinion. Mm-hmm. That's what hey, they should I just say. I didn't, I didn't, no, that I was your opinion. That, I didn't pick that profession. They did. Have you have you invented a time machine? Then your question is irrelevant. Mm, I, what, you know what that reminds well, What are you? Why? <laughs> I don't want to get political here. But what are you supposed to do? Say, well, I didn't want to tell the people what I, what the pandemic was going to do because it might create panic in them. I mean, Jeez, come on, so man. now now blowing a fourth quarter call is is <laughs> handling a no, pandemic. No, no. What no, I'm saying this is, is this is sports. pass along pass along the truth, regardless of uh, what level of importance it is. People obviously, some people care. And so you pass along the truth instead of saying, uh, nope, that's just the way it is. Deal with it. But we're talking about a referee at a basketball game where if they do say, yeah, I totally blew it, has no impact on anything. Well, I'm fine if we blame the COVID-19 on Dick Bavetta. That's fine by me. Yeah, we can blame referees for that. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stay tuned. Uh, Austin's uh, List coming up next, 97.5.1280. I saw jazz officials go up to Dick Bavetta and say, you screwed us, Dick. The Zone. (laughs) There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time for Austin's list, a list that you don't want to find yourself on. Austin's enemies list. Who are we putting on there today, Austin? I got two, uh, two entrants today on the list. Uh, I don't know if I should just encouch or encouch uh, include envelop all engineers or just city slash road engineers and maritime engineers. So you tell me. Well, we got, all engineers is a pretty broad brush. Well, 
If you know one, you know all of them, don't you? I don't. Well, I, yeah, I'm the son Go of. Go ahead, fire away. <laughs> 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 all, right. all right. Well, let's start with the the maritime one because you know how I feel about cruise ships and ships in general out on out on the oceans. The captain of the Maersk Lonston cargo ship is in trouble today. Why? Because he ran over a Greek minesweeping navy ship out what? in the middle of the ocean. Jeez. Ran Damn. straight over it and cut the back third of it off into the into the abyss. He did not see it, or was he? Was it a pride thing, or what? Well, it says here it was destined for Turkey. Uh, two members of the minesweeping ship's crew were slightly injured, taken to the hospital. The minesweeper is being towed to the Salamis port for repairs. It is not yet known who the captain of the Mirsk Lunston is, other than that he is from Poland, and an investigation has been opened, and they're looking for the man to try and uh, ask him, what the heck, bro? Didn't see a giant mind-sweeping naval ship out here in the vast space of the ocean? So, whoever it, is aboard was it, the... Was sir? it foggy? I don't believe it was foggy there in Greece. I, uh, I, I want to know... Is Greece at war with somebody I'm not aware they, of? Why they might there, be now. Why is there a minesweeper out there? Is that really a big issue so, off the coast of Greece? Well, well, we uh, lost another cruise ship the other day, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> One of those random mines out there. Cow, we got to go look for those. Of all the countries in the world right now, the, the Greece is the one Does that's that seem sweeping a weird? for mines. Yeah, why are they know. sweeping for mines? But well, what, uh, were they were they really sweeping for mines, or were they just passing through? To where? To to do what? Uh, well, you know, a ship uh, countries have minesweepers. It may, you you might be right. They may have been just uh, you know out for a, a, a Sunday <laughs> drive. I don't know. Uh, but well, what, whatever you do, don't run over a naval ship. Yeah. It, it, it's bad enough to run over some rich guy's catamaran yacht. <laughs> but stay away from the navy, will you? Yeah. All right. Uh, so that guy goes on the list, and then the street engineers in New York who, uh, this is just a terrifying story. A New York City man was waiting for a bus recently when the street suddenly gave way underneath him and he fell into a century-old sinkhole and he was up to his neck in rats. Leonard Shoulders, 33, suffered a broken arm and broken leg in the 15-foot plummet. After the ground gave way on a Bronx sidewalk, uh, his brother told the news, quote, he couldn't move and the rats were crawling all over him. He didn't scream because he did not want the rats going into his mouth. There is video of this, of this man just suddenly disappearing off the city surface street in the Bronx. uh, Or was it Brooklyn? Yeah, Bronx. Uh, Do you know how many diseases one rat can carry that can transmit to a human being? Plenty, I'm sure. One rat can transmit or can carry 35 transmittable diseases. Just one rat. And he was swimming in them underneath the city in Bronx. So so So, are are you So that that, that report was downright not sports-like. Proud of you. Well, he lived, and he's fine. Uh, But the the person who goes on the list is the the street inspecting engineer of some sort. There in the Bronx, who just went, yep, looks good to me. Yeah, yeah but, but the, that was like a hundred years ago, though. Yeah, no, it happened happen two days ago. No, no, but, no, but the, 
That can happen to any. There's any no time. there's no tests to see if a sinkhole is about to happen. No, no, no. Here, here's what I'm saying though. The sinkhole happened a long time ago. The the guy who should go on the list is the guy 100 years ago who looked at the sinkhole and goes, <laughs> you know what, over. guys, just pave over that real quick. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what? Whoever was the last to pave the, over the whoever sinkhole. Whoever was the last guy to look at that and goes, you know what, we could we could spend all day filling that in and then paving <laughs> over it, or we could just you know put a couple of a two by fours there. And, Gary, uh, get the patch. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's who I think should go on the list. Whoever so, made that decision. Well, the, the sinkholes like that shouldn't be happening, and you shouldn't be running over the back half of naval minesweeper ships so you're on the list all right there we go okay uh coming up next we're going to talk some nfl football with our uh friend matt williamson so stay tuned Uh, we're coming off what i thought was the best weekend of nfl football that we've had as of yet that's just because your team didn't lose uh no i thought we had a lot of a lot of great games that sunday night game the cardinals and the and the seahawks that was a thriller i I know that i know that but then in our little competition i did not lose yeah that Mm -hmm. is true i I did unusual for the second time this year (laughs) it's got to be more than two right Mm, it's not (laughs) that was your second correct that was my second in six tries that was my second w uh barely two and four but a lot of close games uh, over the weekend that I, I thought were a lot of fun. Um, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, he's a friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Hanging out with the show today is Andrew Reinhardt. What's going on, Andrew? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Doing terrific. Let's uh, talk about how you can help our listeners uh, really l- live a better life because this uh, relationships, it's a big part of life. It is a big part of life. And when things are good in the bedroom and in relationships, you know, everything works like it should. That's a great thing. If you're experiencing some frustrations, maybe a little bit of erectile dysfunction, boy, it can put strain on a relationship. Now, Wasatch Medical Clinic has helped thousands of guys get the blood flowing properly with our acoustic wave therapy. And the real big attraction to this is that guys don't have to take the pill anymore for ED. They have become slaves to this pill. They take it all the time. They take more of it. They deal with the side effects. Their body builds up a tolerance, so they take more and more, and eventually it stops working, and boy, that's a bad thing. Uh, Now, our treatments really eliminate all of that um, by widening and regrowing blood vessels, which is called neovascularization, by the way. We eliminate ED safely. It's clinically proven to work and has helped a lot of people get back to spontaneity in the bedroom. Who's a good candidate for it? I would say anybody that is frustrated in the bedroom can probably benefit, but the best person is maybe somebody that is not at 0%. They've got some function left, whether that's 50%, 60%. If you're in that category, uh, you are a very good candidate to get back to 100%. 801 For somebody out there who's been thinking about this, now is a great time to get off the fence and do it. Now is a great time. And we know that it's very easy to sit on the fence when it comes to erectile dysfunction and do nothing, hesitate. The problem gets worse and usually doesn't cure itself. So call us now. Let's get your relationship back on track. We're going to do the initial assessment and exam with our doctor totally free. He'll uh, spend some time with you going over your questions. And then you decide from there whether these treatments are a good fit. Some people say, let's do it. Some people say, I'll call you in a year. Either way, it's all free. Plus, new patients are now getting free testosterone. So hundreds of dollars in value free right now. 
801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Our friend Matt Williamson joins us coming up next. Talk some NFL football. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.